if you have an ambitious spirit or you have a desire to create on your own, which basically all artists have, you know, you have to learn the business side. You have to learn, okay, well, I produce the best music on the planet. How am I going to get a major record label to invest in me? Or where am I going to get someone to invest in my production company so that I can continue to expand it? And that's where understanding your skills, having confidence, but also the game of business comes into play as an artist because you don't have to starve. You can actually make a lot of money doing what you're doing. Welcome to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm your host, Monica Strutt, and I'll be your new band bestie as we deep dive into all things music marketing, PR and strategy, as well as the mindset it takes to succeed in today's modern music industry. I know the highs and lows of being a musician, and I've seen far too many of my talented peers give up on their dreams far too early in their careers. After working for years, both as a musician and professional digital marketer specializing in the music industry, I now help emerging bands break through the glass ceiling and reach the next level in their careers. Let's do this. Oh, hey guys, and welcome back to Being in a Band. As per usual, I'm your host, Monica Strutt, and today we have a special guest. I'm speaking to Robert Sislo Jr., who is a marketing, advertising, and video production expert. He is a content creator and has worked with some amazing entrepreneurs, businesses, musicians, bands, you name it, he's worked with them. We talk all about content creation, social media, but we also deep dive into all things mindset, specifically one of my favorite topics at the moment, which is money mindset. We have all been brought up to believe that to be a creative means you're not going to earn a good living. And this is simply not the case. A lot of us suffer from this starving artist syndrome. A lot of our parents maybe told us that we would never make a proper living, proper in air quotes, from our art. And in many cases, poverty is actually glorified. I know that that's something that I read about a lot in rockstar biographies growing up. And as you'll go on to hear in this podcast, that is absolutely wrong. And Robert shares why that is absolutely incorrect. And I want you guys to get that out of your minds right now. And if you don't have it out of your minds in this very moment, then you will by the end of this episode, hopefully. Before we get started, I did want to let you know that this podcast is proudly brought to you by my brand new PR course, PR Made Simple. Essentially, this course is going to teach you how to DIY your band's PR campaign. Getting media traction is so important, not only in exposure, but also gaining that credibility and looking like you're a band that is generating hype. And I guess the more buzz your band seems to be getting, the more opportunities you'll get. It kind of snowballs from there. So you can just check it out. I'll leave it in the show notes or you can head to monicastrut.com. But without further ado, here is my interview with Robert Sisler Jr. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to the Being in a Band podcast. We have a really exciting guest today. Today, I have design, production, marketing, and advertising expert, Robert Sislow Jr. on the line. How are you going, Robert? I am doing great. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. All right, for a uh, Wednesday morning. (laughs) So I would have already introduced you to the listeners, but would you care to introduce yourself, tell the listeners a little bit about you and what you do? 
Sure. So my name is Robert Sislow, and I have been doing production design graphic work for at least 16 years since I was 14 years old. I, right in high school, actually got an internship in New York City working for a major production company up there. And I was basically the guy that got everybody coffee, reviewed scripts, and did all the busy work. But, you know, I got my experience that I wanted in seeing how production companies were run. And, you know, running around in New York by myself was a good experience for me. So then from there, just, you know, moved to New Mexico because that's where the movies were at at the time. And then L.A., China... Uh, what else? Trinidad and Tobago, Miami, Mexico, you name it. I've pretty much been there and it's all been centered around production. I've just continued, 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 continued to develop the craft, develop the communication, the art and the production side of my life because I love creativity. I love the effects that it creates and it's cool too. Like you get a cool product at the end of it. So that's what I've devoted my life to. And I basically help brands and influencers right now uh, create content for their business, for their social media, help sell their message so that they can grow their following and also, you know, convert that into business. Amazing. Amazing. Did you always know that you wanted to get into video production? I didn't actually. I actually wanted to be a roller coaster designer because oh. I played roller coaster tycoon when I was a kid. Yes, and, I love that game. <laughs> and I was like, I want to design. I can play a game, therefore I can design roller coasters. And then I took physics, and I was like, No, I can't do this. <laughs> and because um, math was never my subject, but we actually had in uh, high school there was a project where my teacher said, All right you are assigned the 1960s decade and you need to make a video on all of the events that happened in there. I'm like, all right, cool. So, you know, we go through all the different events. We film it. I was in it. And then I gave it to the guys in our media department who put it all together and I watched them do it. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And so the following year I got involved in our media department and I changed everything. I'm like, this could be better. Make it look like this. Use better music. Da, da, da. Like I just like naturally went into it and then I just started playing and that was it. And that was uh, 16 years ago. And here we are today. That's awesome. So recently you've worked with a number of entrepreneurs um, for the past six years or so. What has that been like creating for entrepreneurs in that sort of space? Yeah, so it's a, it was it was interesting because I was really good at art. I was really good at my production, but I had no understanding of business. I had no understanding of sales or how to even pitch myself and do all that good stuff. And you know, I was working with a very fast-paced entrepreneur and I started to learn sales and I was like, "Oh my god, I can do this." So, I was really given the uh, liberty to build a company inside of a company that turned into a multi-million dollar business. And we had, you know, 47 clients, 27 employees, and we were running a full-blown ad agency. And this is someone that just knew video production, but just by observing what other big-time entrepreneurs were doing, I was like, oh, I can do this. I can help you with that. Let's just duplicate what I'm already doing. And um, that's really where I found myself. It was like, okay, I understand branding, communication, graphics, commu- you know, music, design. And it was amazing because I get to go into so many different industries. And what happens is, is that you know, with companies or people that run companies, they're so involved in their own space that 
they don't think about the audience who doesn't know anything about the space. So it mm. makes me very, uh, it positions me in a very unique way because I mean, I've worked with roofers, fashion designers, realtors, other designers, musicians, um, insurance, you name it. I've touched the industry in some way or another, but it works because I'm green at it, but I understand the principles of communication so I can help them get it out uh, to like a person that doesn't understand the space or the industry. So that was the big experience. It was getting involved with all those different markets, understanding all those different markets, and learning how to operate at a very, very fast level for production. Absolutely. So I guess you weren't always into the business side. Did your mind always always think in that sort of business way before you started working um, you know, with others in that sort of sector? No, no. I was like, okay, well, if I just produce really awesome videos, I'll make a lot of money. That was wrong. That's not what happened. So what I realized was in order for me to make a lot of money, I had to learn how to sell uh, my product and myself in order to make money. Uh, Because otherwise, you're just an employee. And there's nothing wrong with being an employee. But if you have an ambitious spirit, or you have a desire to create on your own, which basically all artists have, you know, you have to learn the business side, you have to learn, okay, well, I produce the best music on the planet. How am I going to get a major record label to invest in me? Or where am I going to get someone to invest in my production company so that I can continue to expand it? And that's where understanding your skills, having confidence, but also the game of business comes into play as an artist because you don't have to starve. You can actually make a lot of money doing what you're doing. Do you think it's possible to just be an artist nowadays or are you of the opinion that it is 100% essential to learn the business and marketing side of any industry that you're a part of? I love your questions. They're awesome. Um, <laughs> Thank you. The, the, yeah, it, does, it, it requires a little bit more than to just be an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can be an artist and just be an artist and that's it. But I believe that if you really want to have millions of people see your work or have millions of people or thousands of people communicate to you about your work and you're proud of your work, you just have to promote. You have to communicate. You have to put yourself out there. Like I got a friend of mine. She's a great artist. She's amazing. She doesn't promote. And if she promoted, she could sell her work for tens of thousands of dollars. And um, because the work is amazing, but you just have to be willing to want to develop that. And it does take some effort. It does take a little bit of a mindset shift. I mean, I'll tell you from my experience, I was worried that I was going to lose my creativity if I went into business and became business oriented. I would lose the touch that I had. And quite the contrary, that's not what happened. It actually got enhanced because now I'm like, oh, I can create for the purpose of driving in new business. And it was really exciting for me because it just, my, my art, my production, my skills just went to a whole brand new level. And I was really afraid of losing it, but I didn't. It just got a hundred times better. That's really interesting because I feel like that's a limiting belief that a lot of artists have musicians and a lot of artists in other industries as well, that if they start thinking too much about the business side of things and they are going to lose their creativity. Um, I mean, what would you say? I mean, obviously that didn't happen in your case, but did that take 
a bit of work? Do you compartmentalize it all or does it kind of all just kind of fit nicely in together? It all fits nicely in together because you already know that your stuff is good. You already know that what you created is amazing. All you're adding in is a tool set to sell that product and to, to, to sell that art. Yeah. Right. So you can go all the way hundred percent and create the biggest piece of art. That's amazing. But if you don't know how to communicate about that piece or ask somebody to invest in it, um, then you're just not going to expand. I had a friend of mine, you know, I was, I remember I was working on um, a project and I was really kind of struggling with it because I was coming at it from an artistic standpoint and the sales standpoint. And they showed me a video of, uh, what was it? I think it was Versace handbags that women, the, the purses and all that stuff. And I, and I was like, okay, it's a purse. Why would I want to spend $2,500 on that purse? And you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. But I watched the video and they show you from conception to finish, how that is made, all the elements encompassed in making that purse, how every single stitch is hand-stitched, how that leather's put together, how the zippers are added manually. And by the end of that video, I'm like, yeah, that's worth $2,500 for sure. Like, because now I have reality on the fact that it's worth something. So artists and musicians can take it from the same way. Like we only hear the final product, Mm. right? We only see the final product. What we don't see are the 2000 revisions that have to be made to a piece of music or to a video or you know, you getting completely frustrated and wanting to give up everything because you're just like, I can't find the right thing. If you can show that piece of data, that information and the process that went behind the creation of that, now you're talking a new ball game, right? So with my videos, what I do is, is I show people how I actually produce these things. And they're like, oh my God, I didn't know there was so much involved with it. I'm like, yeah, that's why I charge what I charge. Mm. right? So artists think because we're artists, we have to charge less because people don't put value on art. Problem is, is that's quite not, that's, that's totally false. And number two is if you really showed them all the things that were constructed to make a final piece of art, music, whatever, they will understand, wow, that's really something. I see the time. I see the devotion. I see the creativity. It's worth charging what you're, it's worth paying for what you're charging me. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. There's so much I want to come back to in what you just said, but I guess I think going back to sort of the behind the scenes and showing people what's involved in the process, I believe that social media is really, really powerful for doing that um, in any industry. How, I mean, you have an incredible social media following. You've got um, over a hundred thousand people on your Instagram, 18,000 on your Twitter would you say that social media, I mean, is that how you use social media to kind of show the behind the scenes of your business? Yeah. So, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, the business is definitely included in there, but I also put everything else like today, I'll just give you an example. We were talking about this before the podcast about surfing, right? So I woke up this morning and there are massive swells coming in Miami right now, which if you live in Miami or you've ever been to Miami, that's like totally rare. <laughs> so what I do is, is I share my passion for surfing or I share my passion with my dog or my friends or whatever, or just do goofy things on that because I'm more than just the business. I'm more than just the production company. I'm more than just the other companies that I assist in creating. I'm actually a human being that does things. I, I paddleboard every morning. I work out twice a day. And I've made at least $40,000 in the last two months because I posted paddleboarding on my Instagram stories. People would just reach out to me 
Hey man, that's so awesome. What are you doing? We talk, we talk, we talk. And because going back to what I said earlier, I understand sales. I know how to convert that conversation into an opportunity to make money. So I don't even have to directly ask people to go to a website or view my art or show my stuff. There's other avenues that you can use social media with if you understand it to convert that into an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it starts off with relationship building and I guess building that rapport with people if they see like that they've got something in common with you as well. I guess. I mean, some of these people just randomly message me and, you know, we can talk for two minutes and then we have a phone call set up and then we close a deal and we make money. So, I mean, I, I, I do believe that rapport is somewhat involved in that. But here's the thing with social media is that if you're posting all the time and you're frequently out there and you're communicating always, people are going to feel like they know you already. Yes. So if I'm showing you my surfing or I'm showing you some viewpoints or talking about viewpoints that I have, or I show you my dog, or I show you my friends, you're like, wow, I know you already. So when you have the conversation, you're already technically warmed up to me. So we know each other. So the rapport happens in just the posting of the content. You're like, oh man, I know that guy. Yeah. Because I see him all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any advice for bands that maybe are a little bit scared of promoting themselves because it can be a little bit confronting if you're not used to it, if you're sort of, you know, maybe you are a new band or, or something like that. Do you have any advice about self-promo on social media or offline as well? Sure. I mean, to this day, I still have moments where I'm like, I don't know if I should post that. And I've been doing it for years. So it never really goes away. You just learn to deal with it and get it done. I mean, I realized that if I wanted to reach people and I wanted to have a great effect on people with my companies and my viewpoints, I was going to have to communicate. And once I believed and knew that my product's and services were ethical and that they helped people, I really had no problem communicating. And bands and musicians, I mean, it doesn't matter what type of music you have, you're going to build an audience with it, right? So just show the process. I, I say start small, like give it a moment, try a couple things, see how it goes, and just work the muscle a little bit to a point where you completely have nothing on it. And some of my clients, when I help them with this, they'll be really nervous at the beginning. And then by the end of it, they're fully fledged like, dude, I made this video. Check this out. What do you think? Does this work? This is great. Da, 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 da. So it helps you get over the fear of putting yourself out there by doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it just becomes a bit more natural over time. Yeah, it does. You just have to really, I mean, it's just a muscle. You have to just say, I'm going to do it it sucks and I'm scared and da da da. someone's going to hate on me. But I'll tell you what, nobody really hates. I very rarely get hate from anyone. And if they do, they're off. I just block them and that's it. I mean, it is what it is, but that doesn't have anything to do with you. You're just creating and showing people what you're capable of producing. And I would never let that stop you from reaching to other people. Yeah, exactly. I think people are scared of um, that all these people are going to come out of the woodwork and Susie from high school is going to come out and start teasing you for putting a video on social media. But that most of the time <laughs> doesn't really end up being the case. And who cares about those no. people's opinions anyway? I mean, look, just think about, you know, I, I read this great quote one time and, and it really helped me out too. Somebody, I saw it on a magazine and they said, do you see how much you think and worry about yourself? Yeah, that's what everybody else is doing as well. So knock it off and just talk. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. 
So the amount of worry that I have about me putting myself out there, somebody else also has that same worry. And if I can just do it, I become an inspiration for the person who's having a problem doing it, right? So I was that guy. I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to promote, didn't know how to put myself out there. And honestly, like I had a couple Susies from high school who never talked to me and they were Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Popular. And they're like, oh my God, you're killing it. I'm like, wow, I never expected that from you. Thank you very much. Like you'd be pleasantly surprised. Thank you, Susie. (laughs) Thank you, Susie. Um, You mentioned earlier earlier about limiting, limiting beliefs around money and mindset and being a creative and earning a successful living from the creative industries. And that is an absolutely huge limiting belief of most of the musicians that I've met. And it's something that I used to think as well. In fact, a lot of people kind of glorify that whole starving artist mentality because there's so many rock star autobiographies out there that, you know, where all these, you know, Slash and Axel from Guns N' Roses were like living on the street or in a garage. And I guess that's so deeply ingrained in a lot of artists. I would love for you to kind of touch on that a little bit more and how, you know, someone could start looking to overcome that mentality. Well, it's really a decision, right? So if you agree with the fact that you have to be a starving artist, well, guess what you're going to be a starving artist. But if you're saying, you know what, I don't have to be a starving artist, I can go make money. And you start taking the steps, you go to a local restaurant or or event and you say, Hey, I want to play, pay me 500 bucks, pay me $200, whatever, like just start getting some sort of income from it you're going to feel a lot better about yourself and you're going to realize, oh, I can actually ask people for money. What happens if I ask for 2000 And then you get the 2000 and you're like, okay, what happens if I ask for 10 Okay, what happens if I ask for 100 Dang, what happens if I ask for a million? Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, you just got to take those varying steps to show yourself that you can actually do it, right? But I mean, I really had that, Oh, starving artists. And I had friends and family who say it and it's totally, it's just wrong. It's wrong. Like you don't have to starve. Like Jay-Z is not starving. You know, he is not a starving artist. He's worth a billion dollars. That guy was like, okay, I'm gonna make my music. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna invest in real estate. And here I am. Boom. So it's really about what kind of existence do you want to have as an exi- as, as a musician? So I would first look at that. Like, what is it that I want out of this? Okay, I want a record label with Virgin Records and I want my stuff on iTunes or I want it on Spotify and I want advertisers to pay me $20,000 a month. Great. Now that I know that's what I want, what do I have to do to achieve that? Okay, good. I've got my music. I've got that. Do I need to learn sales? Yeah, I probably need to learn sales. Okay, good. Let me do this. Next, who do I need to talk to that can get me in communication with those people? Like you just start running. See, I'm just running through already. Like I can just slot in and figure it out. But it's, it's just what are the steps to take to get to the first level of a target where you feel like, oh, I can actually achieve it. So this is where the business side comes into play. And does that, does that affect your music at all? No. Does that affect your creativity at all? No. It might enhance it. You might write a song about the fact that you tried to get $10,000 from Virgin Records and they shut you down. Write a music, write a song about it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like use everything for promotion. Yeah, absolutely. I think it also comes down to the people that you surround yourself with as well and their mentality because... I don't know. There's that saying that you, what is it? You, you're made up of the five people that you spend the most time with. 
Do you agree with that? Uh, I totally agree. Actually, my, um, you know, my business partner, he's got a really amazing quote where he says that the people that you choose, the people that you surround yourself with will affect the trajectory of your life and business. And, um, that's David Lee Jensen. He's my business partner. And it's so true. I can tell you that every single time that I failed or was unhappy in life was directly correlated to the types of people I was connected to or surrounded by, or even the place that I worked. So if I have people that are around me that maybe don't share the same viewpoint, semi-antagonistic, and they're picking on me a little bit, am I going to be the best I can be? No. See, but I wasn't told that growing up. Nobody said, hey, you don't have to take that. You don't have to have that person around you. For me, I was like, oh my God, but they're going to lead me to my connection. No connection is worth that kind of pain. Mm. There are 7 billion people on planet Earth. Nothing is worth that. So... You know, when it comes to the business side or creative side, I'm totally willing to walk away from anything because I know in myself that I can go create something else that I need to. And I've never, you know, I don't rely on just one thing. I always have other things happening. So when I'm surrounding myself with people, I mean, it was really difficult for me to find the right group of people to be with. And I found them like my business partner, David, he's awesome. We move at the same level. We believe the same things. We have the greatest communication. And I want that. I don't want people around me that are like, you know, driving me down, picking on me, pulling my attention off of my creativity or getting upset with me because I'm working till two o'clock in the morning or telling me I'm working too much. It's like, no, I'm actually happy working a lot. I surfed twice today and I still got five times the amount of production done than 10 people. And I feel awesome. So don't tell me that and go away. I don't want you around. (laughs) You as an artist don't have to accept that you can take complete control and say these, it goes back to the target of, of getting your um, like, what is your ideal thing? You can do that with people. Who are the people I want? Well, they have to be ethical. They have to be good communicators. They have to be on the same team. Uh, they have to be as driven as me or as, you know, interest in the arts and what they're doing and passionate. And those people exist and you can find them. How would you, um, for people that may not have those sorts of driven and passionate people immediately in their network right now, how would you go about, I guess, seeking to network with other like-minded people? So I'm a big observer. Um, I'm, you know, if you put me in a room with a lot of people, I will slowly start to talk to people. Like I don't just go and be like, Hey, 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 Hey. I'm more like, let me watch what people are doing. Let me see how they're communicating. Like if that person's over there getting loaded, I don't want that person. I don't want to talk to that person. But if they're like, you know, mingling with people and they're talking business, that's somebody I want to talk to. So I'm a big proponent of watching what people actually do and not what people say they do. I'm observant of how they treat other people. I'm observant of what they create. I'm observant of what they do on social media. And that gives me enough information to say, yeah, that's the type of, that's the kind of friend I want or no, I would never be friends with that person or I would never have that person on my team. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, just think if I have a, let's say I've got a business associates or an employee or somebody and they're out there promoting, you know, gossip or they're promoting that they're having all these issues and that life sucks and all that. I don't have that viewpoint and I don't want anybody around me with that viewpoint. I want people that are like, no matter what, we're going to get through. No matter what, this is going to happen. No matter what, it's going to be fine. So you can be totally selective on that, but you have to be clear first on what it is that you want. And once you know that with certainty, all of that just falls into place. 
Yes. I love that. I love that. You're obviously really into mindset and I am as well. I was wondering how did you sort of start getting into self-development and mindset? And also do you see a correlation between your mindset and marketing? A hundred percent. So I'm a Scientologist and If you were to ask me, what is the thing that has really given me the ability to create and to grow and to help people? It was that. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to find who I really am. It allowed me to find out how much I'm actually capable of doing. Um, It allowed me to have complete confidence in who I am because all that is, is is about finding out and understanding you in relation to other people and how to work with other people better. Sure. And... Once I understood all of that about myself, I said, oh my God, I can do this in marketing. I can do this in business. I can do this as an artist. I can do this as a musician or as an editor, as a cinematographer, as a web designer. All of my considerations about problems and issues and starving artist syndrome completely disappeared. I have no thoughts like that. My thoughts are, okay, who am I going to close today? I have this podcast with Monica at 5.30. What can I do to change people's lives on that? Like, This is how I operate and this is what I think with. So is it correlated? Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. You will find whatever works for you and something will come across your path that will indicate for you and you will say, this is 100% what I want and how it's going to help me. Right? So if you're actively looking for it, and you actively want to get better, you will find the right thing. And then you will find that once those improvements are made, your entire life is going to become exactly what you want. That is amazing. Um, I think a lot of what you've said so far on this interview is it really boils down to, I guess, just recognizing what you want. Because I think once you decide what you want, it just makes the rest of it kind of fall into place because you understand what you are and aren't willing to accept, or it just makes decisions a lot easier in terms of which direction you're going in. So yeah, that's, um, it seems like that's a really good sort of summary of everything that you've been saying. I can tell you that every single time that I ever hesitated on something, it always resulted in something bad. Wow. If I would have ever just went with an instant decision on it, it always worked, right? So when you know, they, I was told, hey, Monica is interested. I think she'd be good. You guys should do a podcast. I'm like, yes. Or I had a client who called me in the middle of another meeting and he's like, I'm going to pay you right now for this. I'm like, yes, hold on, do this. Right. So I just make instant decisions. Anytime I add time to a decision, I create a lag. I create a problem. It's just unnecessary stuff. Like today, I I did. um, I've done four video ads, start to finish. Designed a website, updated another website. I'm redesigning an entire backend for this other platform, and that's been that's been my day. And I'm doing a podcast with you, and I'm not done. So. And I worked out twice. So I just make decisions in the moment. Okay, I'm going to do this now. Okay, I'm going to do this now. And I get it to a finished cycle. That's amazing. That is so, so productive. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, I, love I even had fun. I even had some fun in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love um, what you were saying before as well about how, you know, working till 2 a.m., that's fun for you. You enjoy that. It's all, it's all part of it. Yeah. And you know, I don't do that all the time, but when the situation calls for it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, you have, um, 
something on your website that says that you used to listen to abstract music when you were a kid. Firstly, oh. what, what kind of abstract music was that and how did that influence the way that you uh, approached content creation? Oh, man. Um, okay. Well, so, oh, my God, this is going back. So do you know the band P.O.D.? Yeah. Okay, so they had a song called Celestial, and there was no words in that song, but I thought that the track and the ambient abstract sounds in that track were like so stellar and I loved it. And that's when I fell in love with music. And so I actively started to search out music like that. So, I mean, when I, um, how do I put this? So I can go from really hardcore, you know, drum and bass to hard metal to ambient synth music, to retro 80s synth wave music, to orchestral music. Like I can just jump from anywhere and I'm always jumping in and out because I'm looking for sounds. I base all of my production and creativity on certain sounds. And when I find those sounds, I'm like, I'm going to build from there. So does it impact me? 100%. And I draw from that because I'm, I'm a very visual thinker. And I think in imaginations, I think in futures. And when I hear music without words or somebody telling me something, I'm allowed to create on it however I want, which makes me as an artist happy. And then when I can translate that into a piece of create creative, it becomes even better for me. Yes. So, I mean, some, some artists like, like ambient abstract music, I mean, that's like Brian Eno, um, Harold Budd, uh, Steve Roach, like these guys do this really weird, like, not all of it's weird, but really abstract, chill, ambient space music. And I'm like, dude, this is like, I love this stuff. Um, and then I'll jump over to, you know, like if I'm feeling in the mood and I want to go hit a workout really hard, I'll throw on some cell dweller and I'll be like, this is fucking awesome. And then I'll, I'll finish with that. And then I'll jump over to maybe some, uh, retro wave synth wave type stuff. Like I, I, I'm just looking for sounds and inspirations that move me in the moment and then move me when I move into creative. Oh my gosh. So good. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) How can people follow your journey or get in contact with you? Yeah, so you can uh, reach out to me on Instagram at Robert Sislow Jr., Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. And I have my website, which is um, SislowVentures.com. And I'm always posting and I respond to everybody that ever reaches out to me always. Love that. Love that. Well, Robert, thank you so, so much for joining me today. There are so many gold nuggets that I'm sure everyone can take away from this episode. I'm going to re-listen to it and take notes myself because some of the stuff you said was just absolute gold. So I really appreciate your time. No, thank you so much. I had a great time and your questions were awesome. They were very different and that's awesome for me.